0: great day out there. We really do appreciate you joining us, spending part of it with us here on America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates with Nolan Baker, Scott Kirshner, Chaz Price. Myself, my name is Chris Swan. 419-794-3030 is the phone number. Once again, that's 419-794-3030, online, arhq.com. Today on the show, Wall Street's rallying. Is it time to get back into the stock market? We're going to talk about whether or not it's a good idea to trade in an old annuity for a new one. And if you're thinking about getting married in retirement, we're going to talk some of the pros and cons of that. All this and more. But first, let me check in with the guys, all three of them back together. Nolan, Scott, Chaz, glad to be with you as always. How we doing? Matt,
1: doing great. Yeah, everybody holding down the fort. I know uh, everyone's been doing a little bit of traveling, so just got back from Nashville, had a good time down there uh, at a financial conference, learning about uh, Social Security, getting some good training on that, uh, uh, getting some other updates with some of the things that are going on in Washington, so a good time. Yeah, you know, and for me, um, uh,
2: you know, Medicare... Annual enrollment period is right around the corner. It's going to be here before (laughs) you know it. And, um, you know, over the next couple of uh, two or three weeks, I'll be doing a lot of um, sitting through the secret first look. And they call it the first look. It gives us uh, brokers and uh, agents the opportunity to kind of see what's coming uh, for 2024 and get out ahead of it so we can get our um, uh, renewal appointment scheduled. So uh, looking forward to that and sharing with everybody what's new and exciting for Medicare coming up in 2024 20,
3: yeah a sneak peek if you will sneak peek exactly yeah, yeah i've been kind of laying low chris i've just in uh re- rebuilding uh mode after wedding and mm. you know all those uh other things that go along with that the honeymoon so yeah
0: just kind of a, a relaxing weekend you know you've had a busy year ahead of you already or already has already gone by, but uh, we appreciate all three of you being on here, taking time out of your schedule to share with the, the viewers and listeners. So let's go ahead and dive in and talk about something that happened at the end of 2022. Congress passed Secure Act 2.0, uh, and it brought in with that 90 different provisions that are going to affect retirement savers. One of the changes that takes effect in 2024 uh, has to deal with catch up contributions for people that are 50 and up, making $145,000 or more that catch-up money that they contribute must go into an after-tax Roth 401k. Uh, I got to know, guys, what are your thoughts on this?
1: Well, I think in general, you know, the advantages of the after-tax Roth 401k is that money has the potential to grow tax-free. So, you know, we've been talking recently about, you know, what's the best way, how to max out your 401k. And you know what? Making catch-up contributions in a 401k after the age 50 may not even make sense for uh, people. It uh, is dependent upon your situation. I think first and foremost, you want to make sure that you put enough money into the 401k to take full advantage of what the company matches uh, as we've talked about in the past show Chaz I know uh, for younger workers um, you know they can have the bigger impact in in the younger years but when you get you know 50 plus or 60 plus and you're looking to kind of catch up later in life uh, I'm never going to tell anybody not to save but There could be more effective ways to achieving the outcomes of reaching your retirement goals than just maxing out with what your 401k is. It's Again, it's looking at the portfolio to try to minimize uh, 401k fees and expenses. Mm -hmm. It's looking at uh, ways to try to increase your predictable dividends and interest. You know, when you get 50 plus or you get closer to retirement time, it's looking at ways to reduce uh, the amount of money that you have exposed to sequence of return risk, big loss early on you know, in the retirement years. The exact example of this is, this is really just one more example of Congress's attack on retirees' retirement dollars though. So if we think about this, you know, these last couple of years that somebody's working, it's usually their higher income earning years. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the years that they want to try to defer taxes. But here with this law change in the Secure 2.0 Act uh, that was passed last December, you know, they're going to be forced to uh, put that money in that after-tax Roth IRA. That means the government's going to have the ability to tax more of those dollars now. Again, I think the Roth IRA in the long run might be a good option, but it is something that uh, is one more attempt Attack on retirement dollars. Uh, My takeaway from this is if you're a younger worker, uh, think about what the government is doing to try to come after your money and make sure that when you're working on your plan, you're developing a plan that long-term is designed to keep the government away from your money because, you know, in this situation, these high-income earners, they have no choice but to uh, uh, take the one-two punch to the gut and decide Mm -hmm. – you know the government gets to decide how much they think is their fair share once again Mm -hmm.
3: yeah there's a lot of implications to it i mean the biggest one like you said is the fact that the government is again getting uh getting their hands into our money and and really wanting to control more of it but from an application standpoint i think there's some serious challenges that they're going to have to struggle with and particularly i know there's a lot of companies we talked about it a little bit last week because it was a a, you know, a hot topic, but just implementing those changes at a 401k level is going to be a little bit of a challenge. And so, I know that as a result, the industry has really been kind of pushing for some priority guidance on this topic and um, some transition relief because it's going to take a lot of work to put the the controls and in the uh, operational uh, facilities in place to even manage something like that. So. From from that perspective, yeah, it's it's going to be a challenge. Um, but you know, beyond that, like you were saying, Nolan, I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing uh, to be requiring that people you know put money into the Roth four hundred one k into the the Roth options. It does a lot of different things for us. First of all, your higher wage earners are going to benefit more from a tax deduction, but that's based on you know tax rates as they are today. And if you look at our Uh, deficit our um, trillion dollar you know spending issues that we have in the United States I think that taxes are probably gonna gonna go up in the future and so it's probably not a bad idea to have some money in a Roth account you're also looking at diversifying so it's good we talk about diversifying from a, a security standpoint often you know stocks bonds alternatives but then also we need to be working on tax diversification as well and I know I've personally met with a lot of clients that have a hundred percent of their money in tax deferred investments. Mm-hmm. I don't think it ever makes sense to be a hundred percent anything. Definitely don't want to be in a hundred percent tax situation. So you're going to diversify your situation tax wise. You're going to have some pre tax, uh, some after tax money. You know I think those are all some good things to 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 look at. Um, and then from an estate planning perspective uh, a lot of people maybe not but some people most people don't know the advantages of a Roth IRA not only tax wise but from a state planning perspective you know that's tax-free money to your beneficiaries and so the legacy that you're able to help create and, and continue to build by having pay the taxes on dollars and putting them into a Roth is powerful as well.
2: You know, one thing I'll add to that guys, and it's kind of a different twist a little bit, but um, you know, the HSA accounts, you know, the health savings accounts, the money that you contribute to a health savings account is 100% at this point, 100% tax deductible, okay, comes right off the top, you know, so you're going to lower your taxable reportable taxable income contributing. Anybody over 55 years old can uh, contribute an additional $1,000. So right now, and they change these numbers every year. But right now you're looking at, um, uh, you know, with the 55 uh, and over catch up, you can contribute 9400 bucks into an HSA and uh, lower your reportable taxable income yeah right, by you know 9400 bucks right off the top
3: well scott what was the, the the strategy that we worked with with our clients uh where they needed roth dollars you know their mm-hmm. their situation tax-wise was such that if we started taking income from their pre-tax dollars it was going to create a huge medicare exactly. uh increase um this is certainly something that having roth you know going into retirement and spending on medicare would be of an advantage correct
2: no question because roth does not count as reportable income for um you know when it comes to health premiums mm-hmm. you know the uh, unaffordable care act or even medicare if you contribute and have money in a roth area and start taking money out of that it's not reportable income which definitely helps out you know i encourage everybody if you are able to contribute to an hsa i would contribute as much as your budget allows um if you are new to hsa's you know i can help you out and understand how those work i'm a big fan of them it's a way to build up i've got a couple of clients that got forty fifty thousand dollars of money sitting in an hsa account they won't ever pay a premium or out of pocket expense moving through medicare with that kind of money sitting there so it's it's a great way to put money aside
1: Bottom line is, rule changes are always coming, and it's important, I think, to talk to a professional. and No question. You know, look at your situation and say, you know, if these are rules that I wasn't aware of, how much could that be costing me now or in Mm -hmm. the future? And that's exactly why I keep listening to the show. We'll keep you updated. But more importantly, uh, let's sit down and have a conversation.
0: Definitely, because this is one of those changes uh, that looks like on the surface it's going to be mutually beneficial for both parties, both the government and the retirees, that gets to grow tax-free in the future, but they do have to pay a little bit of taxes the government gets their share right now. Who is going to benefit more in the long run? Well, that has yet to be seen, but now is the time to go ahead and start... Developing a plan with a team over 50 years of combined experience and, and a, a plan that's not set in stone, by the way, that can change and adjust as the changes come down the line uh, to make sure that you get to keep as much of your money as possible. All starts with that phone call, 419 794 3030, or go into the website, arhq.com. One of the hit songs of the late Tony Bennett was called The Good Life. While his life was certainly full, passed away uh, recently at the age of 96, not everything in that life was, well, Good. Back in the early 80s, Bennett hit a rough patch. His popularity had dropped off. He struggled with depression, drug addiction. He owed the IRS $2 million in back taxes. And then Bennett hired his son to be his manager. The the legend returned to stage, started doing the talk show circuit, appeared in movies and TV shows, began to record duets with other famous singers, had a, a pretty decent resurgence in his career. Uh, he was back. He later said of his son, I realize how fortunate I am to have someone truly looking out for my best interest and not just in it for the money. Guys, can you identify with that statement when it comes to, you know, your relationship with your clients?
1: I really can. You know, I think everybody in life wants to make sure that they have someone who's truly looking out for their best interest, whether it's their financial professional, their health insurance advisor, or even their spouse. And, you know, the the question really comes down to, is my financial advisor looking out for my best interest? Um, I was on the plane coming back from Nashville, and I, I jumped on a, a commentary site, Reddit, and I remember seeing a comment on Reddit. This gentleman was asking the question to the audience and the, the people that were willing to give him feedback he was talking about the fact that he was working with a, a financial institution and it happened to be a, a bank you know arm of that financial institution and you know he's getting charged 5.5 percent commission for every deposit that he put into his account and he felt uh, was worthwhile asking the audience, you know, is this advisor looking out in my best interest mm-hmm. or not? And you know, a lot of the feedback he got was uh, was negative feedback about uh, that particular advisor and in, in the commissions that were charged. You know I don't know if that's right or wrong depends upon again how long this investor planned on holding the money you know sometimes it does make sense if you wanted to pay something upfront I know our industries move you know more towards fee based advice but you know having that fiduciary duty and working in somebody's best interest the first thing I would say is I think the overwhelming majority of the people uh, whether it's in my industry whether it's in the real estate market whether it's in you know, health insurance or whether it's in you know any industry you know, usually you're going to find a majority of the people go into that industry uh, because they have a passion and they care for what they do. I mean, I've decided to focus my career in helping people have a successful and enjoyable retirement time because, you know, I lost my dad at a young age at 49 and, you know, he was the guy who taught me to save and invest Mm -hmm. for the future and he never got to experience that joy of moving into retirement time and and having that uh, phenomenal retirement that he dreamed of and I get to witness that every day with the clients that we work with and hearing the stories of their trips and travel Uh, but it does come down, I think, to uh, a lot of the concepts of uh, fiduciary duty. I know So, you know, as a certified financial planner, Chaz, there's, you know, more of a higher obligation that you're held to um, just, you know, so, you know, we, we also work in a fiduciary capacity, Um, but it seems also like transparency, Mm -hmm. um, you know, making sure that people understand what they're paying for. Uh, I met with a recent couple that had come in and we started talking about their methodology, their philosophy and asked them, you know, well, what are your fees and expenses that you're paying your current financial firm and they really didn't have any clue at all sure. mm-hmm. <laughs> And so, you know, making sure that I think it's transparent in what the fees and expenses are. Uh, I met with a client, Gary, he's a newer client, uh, has come on in the last year or so, and Gary and I were getting together today. We were just kind of recapping and going through, you know, his investment policy statement. Uh, We showed him on his uh, vault where he could access down to the penny what his fees and expenses are, you know, how to read his investment statement so he had good transparency. You want to make sure that your advice you're getting is tailored. Uh, I did a phone call last week uh, with a client uh, named Kim, and we were comparing you know, investment advice from what is called a robo-advisor, um, and the robo-advisor was giving advice based upon a, a moderate to an aggressive asset allocation, and I said to her, I said, well, asset allocation is absolutely one part of the investment process but you know Kim what it's not taking into consideration is your unique situation and the fact that you're gonna retire a couple of years early you need to have a backup plan because in two years we don't know what the market will do you know so you need to have maybe a little bit more money protected for that scenario when we ran the stress test and we did the financial analysis and rate capital what we had found is that one of the biggest threats that she faced is that if Social Security had that three percent reduction it would have a big impact on her probability of success. So developing a plan that could help offset a loss of social security, you know, taking that tailored approach. It's good to have regular communication, you know, making sure that you're meeting with your advisor once or twice a year, making sure that you're getting proactive advice back from them. You know, last year when things were down and out and the market was in the tanks, what type of regular communication that you get? uh, What is the educational process that that firm goes through to kind of keep you in the Loop. Are they using no high pressure tactics? You should never have to meet with somebody and make a decision like, today's the day you got to do this. And, you know, we've all been in that situation. And that's not, you know, somebody who typically has their best interest at heart. You know, are their goals and recommendations aligned with what your goals and recommendations are? And what is the process that they're going to go through from an ongoing review and adjustment? You know, these are the type of things I think that you want to look at when you're talking about is my financial advisor. Uh, looking out for my best interest
2: yeah yeah there's no question you know it's and it's not just a financial advisor it's 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 in general you know I mean um, you, you we we do seminars and educational events on uh, caregivers and you know the financial part is very very important and, and obviously you know the topic of this particular discussion is is very that very point but when you look at um, with AP coming up here in another couple of months you've got the 1-800 number Numbers, right, and you call the 1 800 number. Well, let me ask you this question How many of you think that calling the 1 800 number, that person on the other end of that phone has your best interest at hand? Mm-hmm. They don't know you, and they are contracted by one company, you know. Yeah. AMA, my company that uh, you know, we work together here, I'm contracted with 14 15 different carriers. It's all about you and making things work for you. It has nothing to do with what's most important to us. And if you don't have an advisor, like Nolan said, that's looking out for your best interest, you know, the no pressure, that's the one thing that, uh, for all of the people that I've ever met with here that are clients of yours, of the team here, they walk away, their shoulders are relaxed, they have smiles on their faces, and they say, this is the best appointment i've had i didn't feel like i was pressured into buying anything if you look at our educational events it's the word says it all it's in the, the phrase education it's education yeah we don't do sales events we don't do these events to try to push and sell you something Hey, buy today and you save an extra percent i mean yeah. that's not the way we operate around
3: here. I think some of the things too, I would add there, Scott, those are all great, but one of the things I think we do here really well is we don't use generic terms with clients, we don't call them Moderate or conservative or moderately conservative and so these are just some of the things that your spider sense to be going off If you walk into a meeting, I always joke around and I feel like after the meeting you think you need to have a shower You just yeah. kind of got slimed a little bit but using generic terms with clients um, Is is a key giveaway that they may not be acting in your best interest and um, it doesn't also mean that we have to be your best friends. I, I have some great clients that are friends, um, uh, but it, it does mean that you know there there has to be some – we have to know you very well, and so it does help to have a, a good base, uh, foundation, having a little bit of um, uh, just a rapport built up with the client to, to kind of give that trust feeling. Um, it doesn't also mean that they can't make money. Um, I am a financial advisor. I'm very passionate about making money, and, and the same for my clients – but I think it comes down to value as well. And so I've always been an advocate of, if we're not getting, you know, uh, fees are usually only an issue in the absence of value. I say that all the time. So if you feel like you're getting a great service, a great value from your advisor, that's awesome. That may be an indicator that you're getting you're in the best position you can be in transparency is huge Nolan hit that one home transparency is an issue in the 401k Mm -hmm. industry you just don't know what you have it's kind of like shopping at a grocery store and them not giving you any receipt Mm. you don't know you just hey it's 300 bucks so you you know there's transparency also the level of professionalism I think is encouraging you know when you see um, they, they just have a process where you can kind of articulate why we Made these recommendations not necessarily uh, just because they're simple for us to do, it makes sense. We have a high standard of practice that you can articulate maybe to your friends, hopefully. Um Part of an educator somebody mentioned that you know we're teachers first and foremost and you know sometimes uh, you you may want to look at that fee-based sort of Commission sort of structure what the actual how your advisor is compensated not to say that one is necessarily better than the other but generally the fee-based compensation is an opportunity puts us kind of on the same side of the table so we want our clients to do better because generally yeah we do do better but it from my perspective it kind of gives them the ability to you know kick the tires you're, you're paying as you go versus in the example that you came up with Nolan uh, once I get my commission I'm out of there and I've seen that in some situations where you know you never talk to the advisor again because they got five years worth of comp up front and then lastly I leave us with um, specialists I think the advantage that we have at the retirement guys is we don't have to be all things to everybody right and I think that's where you get into trouble with advisors that are trying to do that you know that you can't be an attorney because you're not so don't try to give legal advice you're not an accountant you know it's you just need to be specialist and do what you do and focus on it and let other people do what they do as well
1: uh, i think hitting home on the specialist is uh, is key uh speaking of going to financial conferences i attend a lot of conferences a lot <laughs> and i was in one up in uh michigan uh this was a couple of years ago and this guy had his business card in our business and he rolled it down like three times <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> and so I, I was thinking at the bottom I mean, it probably even said and roofing too yeah right <laughs> so silly me right i would to take a picture of this guy's business card so i put my phone up to my head like i was going to talk to somebody (laughs) and i went to snap a picture and i didn't realize the flash was on so (laughs) caught off guard there for sure but well worth it yeah hopefully you know if you're listening those are the things that you're talking about when you're thinking about is my financial advisor looking out for my best interest you know ask your gut how do you feel right now and you know what Could it hurt to get a second opinion? We'd love to give you a second opinion. You know, what we can do is get together with you. We'll sit down, it's a conversation. You know, you're not gonna feel pressured into making any changes at all. But what we're willing to do, you know, again, if you have more than $500,000 and you're within five years of retirement time, you know, for the five callers that call in, what you can do is you can get our team action report. So within that team action report, what we're gonna do is we're gonna walk through an analysis of looking at your taxes we're going to look at your estate planning we're going to look at your asset protection and your money management what we'll do then is we'll provide you a written summary of what our feedback is maybe the areas that we can add value into what's happening and uh, other areas that could be blind spots to catch you off guard uh, and just getting that information whether you decide to move forward with us or not uh, could be very helpful and for you you know, being able to gain that confidence of you're in the right place, or maybe it is time for another home. And of course, we're happy to sit down and have that conversation with you.
0: you just be one of the first five callers. Again, if you've saved $500,000 or more towards your retirement, 419-794-3030, circling back to being fiduciaries, you know, acting in the client's best interest. If no changes need to be made, they're going to let you know that. And mm-hmm. on the other side of the coin, uh, part of being a fiduciary, acting in someone's best interest, as Chaz said, don't necessarily have to be your best friend. And sometimes they might tell you things that you don't mm. want to hear. Perhaps, you know, maybe delaying retirement is going to work in your best interest. Perhaps, you know, uh, buying that, that yacht or whatever isn't going to to uh, do well for your plan. They're going to let you know that. They're not going to be yes men, which is quite the opposite of what you want going into retirement. You want someone to make sure that, uh, you know, the plan that they've set out for you, the plan that they've educated you with along the way is going to work for you in the long run. You and, and, and you alone that is what is most important in the long run so again 419-794-3030 is the phone number or you can always go to the website and schedule a time there as well arhq.com guys there's a young woman on on tiktok whose grandparents were trying to find an elderly living facility they have one and a half million dollars saved but they were told by the facility well actually that's not enough she was appalled she thought she was going to get some type of inheritance but realized that might actually not happen here is what she said at the end of her post a lot of people can't get into retiring communities at all, no matter how
2: much money they have, no matter if they're sitting on that $400,000 house that they bought in the 70s for 10 grand, okay? So what they do is they end up spending all of their money, all of it, so that they can qualify for government paid for end-of-life care. So, like, regardless of whether you have money or don't have money, it's all going to disappear. Someone's health is going to take it. They're going to say, I don't care how old you are, until you die, I'm taking every single cent you have. If there's someone in the industry who can talk about why the this is that
0: would be so helpful thank you i think you guys might be just those people Uh, how do you avoid a nursing home taking your lifetime of savings
2: well you know what i'm experiencing this right now and and i I will tell you it it is a big issue uh you know i haven't i haven't talked about mom in a while she's 85 with a broken back and i've been talking with mom for quite a while now because the last couple of years i mean up until this incident this year has been phenomenally well for her but last year as you all know she had a horrible year and I told her I said mom you know what it's about time we start thinking about getting you into a an assisted living facility you know you might want to start thinking about this because they're gonna do so many things for you and you're gonna be around people that are are similar in age and you're gonna talk to them and it's gonna there's just so many advantages right so I've been doing some pricing Well, this last fall really kicked her butt, and she's... A little more open to it now than she was Uh, so you know I've looked out for some pricing so for my mom at her age and her abilities she can pretty much take care of herself right now she cannot shower herself Uh, she needs somebody there you know we need to make sure that she's taking over medication so in assisted living they have a couple of different levels of care you know so mom needs level two care so just to give you listeners some some ideas on this we were quoted 4800 a month for an assisted living. Now, this is her kind of like an apartment, mm-hmm. okay? Um, 4800 a month. Now, I had another client that actually came in two weeks ago and he was talking about his mom and her situation, and she was level five care of memory care. That's as bad as it gets. And she was paying 10000 a month. For her care in a nursing home okay so if you listeners out there are, are looking something up if you do a google search how do you protect your assets in in the nursing home from a nursing home the first thing that's going to pop up is buy long-term care insurance and the time that you want to purchase long-term care insurance isn't Right before you go into a nursing home, because you're not going to get it. Mm. You need to start preparing for this. You need to prepare for this, you know, as early as in your 40s, you know, because it, you know the pricing. and And we've talked about how you can get the um, uh, hybrid plans for long-term care life insurance with a long-term care writer we've talked a lot about those plans but just to give you some ideas you know when I look at this 1.5 million you've got Social Security that comes in there if you've got 1.5 million saved up you probably have roughly a husband a wife about 4,000 roughly in Social Security benefits you're gonna need at $10,000 you're gonna need seventy two thousand dollars a year For a husband or wife that's you know that's going to get you six thousand of uh, a monthly expense and then your four thousand of um uh social security that's coming up with 10 grand that's going to get you about 20 years it's going to get you about twenty years living in a in a, um, a long term care facility. Numbers show that that's not typically what happens. So yes, it's extremely expensive, and if you don't have the luxury of having one point five million dollars put away, uh, it's it's gonna it's gonna go through everything you've got. And here's one more thing that I'll end on, and let uh, let you guys jump in here. But if you go into if you burn through all of your money and you go into a nursing home with no assets at all, you're not picking and choosing the facility you're going into. You know, we're talking Medicaid at that point and you're not picking the type of home you wanna go into. So it's important to kind of understand and know all of that.
1: You know, what I would say is if you look at our, our listeners, we have a young listener base, you know, so a lot of people may be these adult children getting closer to retirement time. And they might be thinking about situations for their mom and dad, just like Mm -hmm. what you shared with us, Scott, too. So, you know, if you're listening and you're thinking about how do you avoid a nursing home taking your life savings, if you're thinking about your situation or if you're thinking about mom and dad's situation, just remember it breaks down into this. There's what is called crisis and there's non-crisis planning. Scott, you gave some great examples, you know, for our younger listening audience that are healthy. You know, they can go out and they can look at traditional long-term care insurance they can look at you know a life insurance with the long-term care plan they can look at taking and making a single deposit into a life leverage plan there's some really good non crisis Mm -hmm. solutions that are out there but you know you might also be in a situation where maybe a spouse is getting closer to needing a facility maybe somebody uh, has existing health problems and they couldn't qualify for traditional coverage or maybe you're thinking about mom and dad and what do I do in their situation Um, it just pains me that when I run into people, and I run into people too often, that says, "Yeah, we, you know, spent all mom and dad's assets down in a nursing home," because it doesn't have to be that way. There's still other things that can happen. Uh, just know that there are other strategies. As an example, uh, you can add a rider onto an annuity count. So in five or ten or fifteen years from now, if you need long-term care, you've got some extra benefits. We try to focus on a plan that's designed to keep you out of a nursing home, mm-hmm. help you maintain control and independence and that rider could go a long way for what you need around the house as people slow down and age this is an area where I think working with a team like our team and taking a comprehensive approach we have some great relationships with some elder care attorneys in town and that's where you get all these people sitting at the same side of the table you get Scott helping out saying you know what's the best health insurance scenario uh, based upon what their health situation is you get Chaz with you know being a certified financial planner saying let's put the case design together you've got the attorney you've got everybody kind of making those decisions on how to help a avoid having somebody's life savings wiped out Um, and so no matter what situation you're in my advice would be uh, talk with somebody and get a plan in place because doing nothing is still a choice Mm -hmm. it's a choice to do
0: nothing and that just leaves your assets exposed you know to probably unnecessary risk again being able to control what you can control especially when it comes to look as as time has shown people are living longer and longer, and while that is great, that also does mean that the form of some sort of medical assistance, uh, we say long-term care, it's not just about the facilities, but, you know, perhaps needing some home health. It becomes less and less a... Uh, possibility and more and more of a probability. So being able to account for that and hopefully not be blindsided by these costs uh, if they do come down the line with developing these strategies, some which don't involve any underwriting and, you know, aren't use it or lose it like a a black and white uh, long-term care policy. Exploring the options, find out what's going to work best for you. It all starts with working again with the team at America's Retirement Headquarters. 419-794-3030 is how you get started. Start putting that plan in place four one nine seven nine four three zero three zero and the website ARHQ.com. A recent JP Morgan Chase study says eighty-four percent of retirees are making this mistake. They're following Uncle Sam's plan by waiting until seventy three to take money out of their 401 Ks. And when they do, they only take the amount out that the IRS requires those RMDs required minimum distributions. Guys, what is what's the matter with this strategy?
1: Well, I, I think you got to step back and maybe take a look at it as a business owner. So, you know, here you are uh, with uh, being in business, and you have a business owner that uh, he wants a portion of your business, portion of your profits, portion of your money, and he gets to decide in the future what that fair share is. So, the the thing about that is a, a business partner who's lazy. He doesn't add any value to what you're doing, in my opinion, but he wants, you know, part of what you built your whole entire lifetime. You know, in in any business that I can think of, the thought process would be, how fast can I get rid of this business partner? Sure. So what I want you to do is I want you to look at the retirement uh, like your business. This is one of your biggest assets that you own. And so the IRS is you know making the determination of how much they can get from you and in this case it's determining at the age of 73 what your required minimum distribution is And the biggest mistake with your IRA is not running a yearly tax roadmap and completing a checklist. So we had talked earlier about some of the rule changes that were coming out with the Secure Act 2.0 and how that might impact contributions for catch-up provisions of people over the age 50, you know, forcing them to be in a Roth IRA, where in reality, a Roth IRA might make a good solution for folks. Um, looking at things like last year, if you look at the shows that we had talked about, you know, we had a big pullback in the market. And so while the market was down, we were screaming from the rooftops. It is a good time to look at what is called tactical Roth conversions, taking a portion of your money while your investment account is low while the bush tax cut and the trump tax cuts haven't expired and looking at converting some of that money over into you know what could potentially be a, a tax-free roth ira doing things like the annual tax roadmap and kind of figuring out where does your income play and how much of a area do you have from a planning gap um, again it doesn't mean that it always makes sense but the mistake i would say of with your ira is not looking at it from a tax perspective and being in a situation where, again, according to the study, 84% of retirees are making the mistake, which is waiting until age 73 and only taking the required minimum distribution. Now, in addition to that, that mistake could compound uh, if and when you leave money to your loved ones, being your non-spouse, your your children, because that's usually when taxes are due. Again, if we look at the the law changes, that's just another area where, it's going to be a money grab from the government to try to get money, you know, from your uh, 401k before they're able to pass it on to your kids. Uh, They've changed their rules a couple different times. You used to be able to stretch it out over your lifetime, the taxes, and only take a minimum distribution to now they've uh, shortened it down to where you have to take those distributions over 10 years. So you've really got to watch out and not make that mistake of letting the government decide how much is your fair share, uh, figuring out what is the best way to make contributions and how should you be pulling out money and looking at conversions? I think is a big area to consider.
3: Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, I use the analogy. This is that not mine, but I love what Ed Slot says. Is he says going from forever tax to never tax, and that's kind of the concept of the required minimum distribution, uh, the vehicle that we've all used for uh, retirement savings for the better part of the last you know couple of decades here. Um, it just essentially is where you're deferring taxes, you're kicking the can down the road, and you've got to pay tax at some point, you've you've got to face that deal with the devil that you've made. And so um, if you're not taking into consideration how much you're paying in taxes, I think that's where the real acumen lies, you know, that's where um, there's been a re- re- renaissance or resurgence in tax planning because we all recognize the issues that we're facing, we're, the the trillion-dollar deficit, the continued budget spending, and that was even before COVID-19 and some of those spending initiatives. And so we're facing a real challenge. The government needs money, and so they're, they're – going to squarely, you know, put their sights right on those requ- required minimum distributions uh, because it's where there's a, going to be a big source of tax revenue. And so um, one of the issues that I think we have with the required minimum distributions, going back to the prompt there, is is it the right amount to take out an annual basis? It does run the risk of, first of all, not having enough for your daily for your monthly needs so you kind of have to determine what the best situation is for you income wise we do that through our financial planning modules and kind of coming up with a retirement income plan to see you know how much should you be expecting to spend but then the other thing is that uh, when we're taking the required minimum distributions out that's actually the, the government's game plan they want you to do that because you know the if you look at that, if you look back the history of taxes they've been as high as 90% in the past mm-hmm. and so if we get into a situation where you know tax rates skyrocket like that you're going to be faced to have to pay taxes you're going to be required to do it at, at exactly the wrong time so it's not necessarily the required minimum distribution the amount that you're taking out yes that's important that depends on what your financial needs are but if you have the choice determining when taxes should be paid and when they shouldn't um if it were me i'd rather pay tax when they're on sale and get that business partner out of my finances uh, i use the analogy it's like a joint account too with uncle sam you you have this joint account he's not put in anything he's just kind of leeching off the (laughs) account he gets money and whenever you do good he does good too so um it's a paradigm shift we need to move more so from just looking at the incremental increases that we get from, you know, savings and investments, the one or 2% that we get every year, if we're lucky over and above the market, um, and switch our thought process to how do we keep more of what we've made? Because you know, if we lose 10% to poor tax planning, that wipes out five years worth of gains that you, you know, you could have saved. So. Mm-hmm. there's a lot that goes into the required minimum distributions um, but i think that's definitely one of the main areas that retirees should focus on because it's going to be your biggest expense taxes
2: i'm going to throw a different twist here i don't i I don't get something here why is there such a fear of waiting till the rmds i mean i i'm going to take money and live on that money during Mm -hmm. retirement um and 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 spend the money i need now i get it if if i'm debt free i don't need to spend any of that money i don't have any you know outstanding bills that i need that money from why am i so worried about taking the rmd or taking money prior to rmds you know if i get hit by a bus tomorrow i pass on all of that balance right yeah
3: that's So why don't you, like you
2: said, both of you have just addressed this, you know, taking that money, maybe, why couldn't you maybe take some of that money and reinvest it into some other mechanisms or tools or something like that, or, you know, charitable contributions and things like that, but
3: I don't know, that's just my spin on it. It's a good question. I mean, I think the one issue with the SECURE Act that they eliminated the advantage was the stretch IRA. Nolan, you might have touched on that, but to me, if I'm... Thinking about future generations, and mm-hmm. I know I only need to take a minimum out, and I want to benefit my kids as long as possible, and continue to stretch that 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 required minimum distribution out. Mm-hmm. You know, it all comes down to how long can I prolong paying the taxes? Right. That's the concept that that is the philosophy of America we kick the can down the line we mm-hmm. wait we wait we wait and it's not our fault our accounts have been turning that you know we're just sure we're just trained to do that so that's a great strategy you know four or five years ago when I could stretch through the taxes out over multiple lifetimes and since that that provision has been eliminated the vehicle the ira it's really not as great of a of an option and you're right you shouldn't worry about not taking your money out as much anymore because you don't have the the advantage of stretching it out sure. over your kid's lifetime so you're right it's just maybe they don't know and um, people are a little afraid of running out of money i'm sure we kind mm-hmm. of talked about that last yeah. segment of um how you know what when should you take out why aren't people spending more money early in retirement is because they're afraid of running out so sure. there's a little bit of that too
0: i think there's two universal things everyone's retirement is going to be different Their hopes and dreams right but two things that are pretty universal you don't want to outlive your money you, you want to make sure that's there as long as, as you are and you don't want to pay uh, more than you need to in taxes if you happen to disagree with that statement and you want to pay more you know do nothing just let the tax changes come along the lines and uh you know pay the rmds and only take that money out or i'll do you one better haven't mentioned this in a while there is actually a place on the irs's website where Mm -hmm. you can make an anonymous donation you can just go ahead and give them as much money as you want to an alternative a better alternative i think go to arhq.com schedule a time to speak with them start developing a tax savvy strategy buy uncle sam out of that business partnership that you guys have together arhq.com or give a call 419-794-3030 there is a new spinoff from abc's bachelor franchise 71 year old jerry turner is going to star in the golden bachelor which starts in september the father and grandfather has been single since 2017 when his wife passed away just weeks after she retired
1: You know, she got robbed every day that goes by. That's the thought that I have. What do you think she would make of all of this? I have her picture on a dresser in my closet. Every morning, I give her the nod. So what do you think about this? For a while, it was like um, I was having a hard time figuring out if she would be okay. But we always told each other, when one of us goes, we want the other one to be happy. She's up there rooting.
0: She's saying, yeah, Gary, do this. So I guess it's never really too late for love. Do you have clients that are getting married later on in life? And uh, let's talk about this. What are some of the pros and cons that you discuss with them?
1: Yeah, we really do. I mean, it is a topic of conversation that comes up of getting married in retirement time. And, you know, if we look at it, I think we had a lot of fun when we were working on this segment, kind of putting it together, you know, joking about uh, the, the different topics. So, you know, the Golden Bachelor is the newest one to come out. Uh, I haven't even really watched the other Bachelor series no. that are out there, but uh, I guess Coyote Ugly was already taken in that, that uh, <laughs> have it as a title of the show. Yeah, And, and when you look, at it though I think first and foremost I'd say uh, in short life is about living So I, you know, want to make sure that people are doing things that make them happy in life. So unfortunately, if you lose somebody, and I know so many great friends who've, you know, lost a loved one to, uh, you know, a deadly disease like cancer, or or unfortunately, it didn't work out and and decided to get, you know, divorced and looking at getting remarried. So you've got to go out and you've got to live your life and, you know, do what's best for you and your mental health. Because when we think about the positives, you know, you think about companionship, there's emotional support, uh, there's a lot to be said about that uh, things like shared expenses I can think of many clients who uh, ultimately went together now they have the freedom and flexibility to be able to have a vacation property in Florida because they can share those expenses um, there's issues that could be positives and negatives when it comes to uh, health benefits and you know as previous segments that we talked about with the nursing home spin down getting married later in life uh, oftentimes and deals with uh, estate planning issues that come into play especially when you have a blended family, children, you know, from the the previous marriage or children from the the spouse who maybe passed away and figuring out, you know, how do we make sure that we keep everybody happy in a situation and, you know, what needs to get put in place. And, you know, and a lot of times you get good family social support. You know, there's a lot of times that the family is uh, supportive of that although there's other times that you have to understand what the dynamics of I know I've sat across the table and I've heard of the dynamics when somebody passes away and you know you have that blended family you know the negatives could be there are you know financial implications although shared expenses can be good you both have um, you know spending habits that you have to pay attention to so you know maybe somebody spends money more than the other person that they were used to Uh, there could be health considerations whether it's you know caring for somebody later in life if their health deteriorates it could have an impact not only on somebody's financial dollars being a caregiver can impact you uh, emotionally as well this is all new
3: to me um guess i technically got married later in life and i'm certainly not on the golden bachelor but yeah i mean i i think it's uh it's it's definitely been a growth opportunity for me and um you know putting others interests in front of your own. Now you've got to think about other people than just yourself. So there's a lot of good things that go to it. I would just be concerned if, um, if it just, maybe on the surface didn't make sense. Like if people aren't doing it for the right reasons or there, there there might be, um, uh, you know, some situation where you're being forced into it or, you know, being taken advantage of, you never want to see anything like that. So, you know, prenuptial agreements and all that stuff you know those are all questions for the for the attorneys but i think on the surface yeah marriage has so far been a, a really good thing
0: well that's i'm very glad to hear that you're, you're <laughs> saying that still uh, you know <laughs> at the end of the day life is for living you know do what, what it is that, that you enjoy what you what you want to do but also there's a lot of value into having a plan put in place america's retirement headquarters uh, the team can help you with that help you run those numbers and make sure that it is all feasible and, and, and you you take into account Things that you may not have uh, considered beforehand to cross all those T's, dot all those I's. 419 3030 is how you get started. You can always find them online, ARHQ.com. And as always, want to thank you for joining us here on the show, spending a little part of your day with us. Hope you have a great week ahead of you. Uh, stay safe, guys. As always, appreciate the time. And as we wrap up, I want to leave you with the final word.
1: Well, a great quote for that segment, it is, people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. So do something good this week, make somebody feel really good and uh, enjoy your week. And remember when you think retirement, think America's Retirement Headquarters, it's home of the Retirement Guys formula and America's Medicare Associates.
0: advice concerning your particular circumstance annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company by contacting us you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through nolan baker ohio insurance license number two seven seven eight seven